I guess that's not Amarava. Yeah, second to last line at 99b. Amarava. Shitali. Yeah. If this Gemara we already did earlier in Shabbos in the first paragraph, right? Like a lot of these Gemaras that were, you know, we did already earlier. So the, the Allah is like this. If you have water flowing on top of water, then, then when it comes to doing a Hanacha, if you're trying to do a Hanacha of water and you put it down on top of water, that itself is actually a Hanacha, right? Because water on top of water is considered like it's actually at rest. And that has to do with the nature of water. Now, Edgar's agave mayim. Let's say you put a nut down on water, lav Then it's not considered to be at rest. Because water, the nature of water is always to be moving. So if whether you put the water down on top of other water, you put the water down on ground, it's going to be moving. So the definition of what's considered at rest is very different for water. No pun intended. It's fluid, the definition of what's at rest. Whereas when it comes to a nut, it's not going to be fluid because it could be at rest. It really could be sitting in and not moving at all. So therefore, if it is actually on water and it's going to be moving, then it is not going to be considered to be at rest. Let's say the nut is actually sitting in a vessel and the vessel is floating on water. Then what's the halacha? Do we say go after the nut? And the nut itself is sitting in a vessel. So the nut is the nut relative to the vessel is staying in the same place on the vessel, right? The vessel is moving, right? We're, you know, how far do you want to go with this, right? We're on the earth and the earth is moving. Well, maybe we're not considered at rest because the earth is moving. No, obviously at some point we say that, no, it's considered to be at rest. So the question is when it comes to a nut, what do we look at that nut? How do we perceive that nut sitting in a vessel, sitting on the water? Do we perceive that nut to be, the nut itself is resting on the vessel or do we say, well, the vessel is moving on the water and therefore we don't look at it as if it's resting. Do we say go after the nut and it's considered as if it's resting? Or do we say go after the vessel and the vessel itself is not resting? Take. There's no good answer to this question, right? We're going to have to wait for Eliyahu and Navi to answer this one. Let's say you have oil that's sitting on top of wine. Then there's going to be Machalikas, Rebbechah, Menuri, and the Chachamah. The Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah. You have oil sitting on top of, or floating on top of uh, wine. And someone who went to the mikvah that day, right, and is still in a state of ritual impurity, touches the shaman, touches the oil. He only invalidates the oil. We don't consider the oil to be connected to the wine. If it's considered connected, then by touching one, the other one's going to become tame too. But if we consider it to not really be resting on it, right, then it's not going to become tame. says they are considered to be attached to each other. And therefore, if one becomes tame, the other one becomes tame. Says, you have a bar, you have a pit in the public domain. It is 10 tfachim deep and it is 8 tfachim wide. And you throw a machtzalis, you throw a mat out of reeds into that pit. It lands on the bottom of that pit. You're going to be liable. And so it's important to know, um, Earl, the previous Gemara on Daftadi Tessin on 99b has a big conversation about this. When you throw an item that the through throwing that item onto the public domain, you're causing the public domain to change its status when it lands. What do we look at that? Let's be a little more, more clear about that. So you have a pit. A pit that is 10 fachim deep is not considered to be public domain. You have a pit in the public domain, but if it's 10 fachim deep and 4 fachim wide, it's considered to be the private domain because it's a completely different domain once it gets to 10 fachim deep. The same way if it got to 10 fachim high, it would be a, a, different, a different domain in the public domain. Now, if you throw something into that pit, then when that item lands on the bottom of that pit, by definition, the bottom of that pit is now less than 10 tfachim deep. It was exactly 10 tfachim deep before you threw that item. Now that you threw the item, it's less than 10 tfachim deep. So through throwing that item, you're causing the pit 
to no longer be a public, to no longer be a private domain? Are you liable for throwing that item that changed the pit status from private domain to from public domain? I'm sorry, from private domain to public domain? Or do we say no? When it landed on the bottom, then it's considered as if it landed on something that was ten fathom deep, and then after it landed, then it changed its status. That was the Gemara's question earlier, which we did not resolve. So Abaya asks like this. Abaya says, let's say you throw a, you have a pit, same similar situation. You have a pit that's exactly 10 fachim deep and 8 fachim wide, and you throw a machtelis, you throw a mat into a chayv, you're going to be liable for throwing from the public domain into the private domain. Since the pit is 10 fachim deep, it is a private domain. Now it's important to recognize if the pit would be less than 4 fachim um, wide, then it would be 10 fachim. What was that? I just said wide. You were just... Okay. Four and wide. Yeah. yeah. I'm just talking to myself, that's all. Okay. If the pit was, was 10 fachim deep, but it's not four fachim wide, then it's going to be a mukham patur. A mukham patur is an exempt domain. It's a neutral domain. It's like the Switzerland of domains, right? So you take from one domain to there or from that domain, you could take from a public domain into there or from a private domain into there. It's going to be okay. That's because if it's less than, if it's 10 fachim deep or 10 fachim tall, but less than four fachim wide, it's not considered significant in its own right. Okay. So we said you're liable for throwing an item from the public domain into the pit that is 10 fachim deep and 4 fachim wide. However, if that pit was 10 fachim deep but not 4 fachim wide, you would not be liable. So Abayah says, let's say you threw a machzelis, you throw a mat into, the, into this pit that is exactly 10 fachim deep and exactly 8 fachim wide. And you know what happens? That mat lands on its side, you know, going down um, vertically, basically. Yeah, vertically, I guess we would call it. And it's splitting the pit exactly in half. So it was only eight fachim wide total. When you have that mat go down, if it goes perfectly in the middle of that of the pit, then guess what? Each sides of those of those divider is only is a little bit less than four fachim wide. So now what you have is you have two different pits, but each one is less than four fachim wide. Since each one is less than four fachim wide, it's going to be a machin patur. You should not be liable. So labaya tipshitale the machtelas mevatla mechitza kol shekain chulia the mevatla mechitza. So according to Abaya, who now understands that even a machtelis, even just a little uh, a mat made out of reeds is able to change the status of this pit from being a uh, 10 fachim by 8 fachim pit to being a 10 fachim by 3 and a half and by 3 and a half pit with the divider in between. So certainly a cholio, certainly if you would have thrown dirt down onto the pit, it certainly would have taken the, the domain and changed its status from being a, a public domain from being a private domain to being a public domain because you, by dint of raising it from 10 fachim deep to only 9 fachim deep. Because dirt is even more obvious that dirt becomes part of the actual floor of that pit, right? Because dirt by its nature is always, the floor is made out of dirt. So if you throw dirt onto that floor, clearly that dirt is now going to change the, the, the depth of that pit. It's going to be clear that the pit is no longer 10 fachim deep. When you throw a mat made out of reeds onto a, a floor, it's not as obvious that it's going to change the status from being 10 fachim deep to less than 10 fachim deep. So if a buyer is willing to even say that when you threw a mat down, it's going to change the status, he certainly would acknowledge that if you threw dirt down, it would change its status. Rabbi Echanan, Rabbi Echanan, who he said previously had a question about throwing dirt, does that change its status or not? So then certainly when it comes to throwing a mat made out of reeds on the bottom of the pit, it certainly is not going to nullify its status 
being ten tefachim by eight tefachim. Because if even dirt he was questionable about, and dirt, generally speaking, would be more understandable that it would be considered to change the, the status of that domain. Well, if even dirt he wasn't sure about, then certainly a mat, which is less likely to change the status, it would not do so. I also said, Let's say you have a pit in the public domain. It is 10 tefachim deep. It is 4 tefachim wide. Malaya mayim is full of water. And you throw something into that pit, chai, you're going to be liable. Malaya peris, let's say that pit is 10 tefachim deep, 4 tefachim wide, but it's full of fruit. Then you're going to be exempt. So depending on what the substance is in that pit right now, if the substance is water, you're going to be liable. If the substance is fruit, you're going to be exempt. What's the difference, right? Why, why in one case you're going to be liable, in one case would you be exempt? Both cases, you threw into a pit that's 10 tefachim deep and 4 tefachim wide. It should be a different domain. You should be liable for throwing from the public domain into that area. So the Gemara says, When you throw water, when, when there's water filling up a pit, water does not change the status of the pit. Right? Water cannot take the, the status of the pit and make it look like a, a new domain. But when you throw, um, when there's fruits in the pit, then it changes the status of the pit and it'll make it, it will actually now no longer be a pit that's 10 tefachim deep. It'll be a pit that is, you know, however deep the top of the fruits are. Tanya Namiyachi went to the like this as well. If you throw from water into the estratia, into like the, the, the road, the street, or from the road to the water, you're exempt. However, for the place in which you threw into from the public domain had was a tenth fachim deep and fourth fachim wide, then you're going to be liable. Now you're liable over there, even though it's water covering it. So if we're if indeed it's true that when water covers it, it changes its status as no longer being a tenth fachim deep pit and therefore net no longer a, a, um, a private domain, then then you wouldn't be liable, right? But from the fact that we're saying that if you throw from the public domain into the water, as long as the water is 10 tefachim deep and 4 tefachim wide, clearly the water still retains its status as private domain, even though it has water on top of that hole. If you throw four amas on a kaisal, we did this a little bit earlier. If you, if you throw something four amas into a kaisal, and it is um, four, four amas distance, it hits a kaisal higher than 10 tefachim off the ground. Kazerik ba'averts, as if you've thrown it through the ear. Lamatim yasar tefachim kazerik ba'averts. If you throw it four than, low, lower than four tefachim off the, lower than, I'm sorry, 10 tefachim off the ground, then it's as if you have thrown it on the ground. Kazerik ba'averts, arba amas chayiv. If you throw on the ground four amas, you're going to be liable. Right? So we, we touched on this earlier, but the Gemara is going to expand on a little bit more here. The Gemara says, how could you be liable? It didn't actually ever do a hanacha. What the Gemara is assuming is like this right now. When you take an item, right, and you throw something four amas distance total and it hits a wall, guess what's going to happen when that item hits the wall? It's going to bounce back. If it bounces back and you only threw it a total of four amas total, where is it going to land? It is not going to land four amas away from you. It's going to land less than four amas away from you. Now, to be liable for throwing something in the public domain, how far a distance do you have to throw it? Four amas. But yet, if you throw it four amas total, it hits something, bounces off, and then comes to rest two feet away from you, that's not going to be a four amas throw. Because the hanacha, the putting down of the item, is not four amas away from you. And like we said many, many times, when it comes to the, it has to be an akira lifting up, there has to be a zrika, the, the zrika of throwing it four amas or carrying it four amas, and then there has to be a hanacha of putting it down at the end of those four amas. Well, over here, if you threw the item, it hit a wall, bounced back to you, it, it went, you did an akira, picking it up. You did a hanacha when it landed, but the and the four amas was traveled, but the hanacha was not four amas away from you. It was less than four amas away from you.
So the Gemara says, I'm Rav Yechon, I'm a Yechon says, we're talking about a case where you threw a fat, a fig. And since you threw a fat fig, so it ended up uh, it was sticky and it stuck to the wall. Let's say you throw something off of the ground in the public domain. And it, what happened is it landed in a horkoshu, like a little uh, a little hole, a small uh, a hollow. This is going to be dependent on the machlekes or meir and the chachamim. What's the meir and the chachamim? It's a, a famous machlekes in Erevin. Right? We're looking forward to doing Erevin. It's a sham in uh, 60-something blat. Erevin makes Shabbos look like um, uh, Aleph Bays, basically. So um, in, in Erevin, there's machlekes like this, where uh, you have... Um, I remember, I think this is how it works today or a couple of years ago. But basically, the halacha is like this. For a doorway to be liable to put a mezuzah up on it, the doorway has to be 10 fachim tall and 4 fachim wide. If the door is not 10 fachim tall, 4 fachim wide, it's not going to be significant enough to actually put a, a mezuzah, to, to, to obligate to put a mezuzah. Now, let's say you have a doorway that's an arch, right? And at the bottom, the door is 10 fachim by 4 fachim. Right? But as you go up higher, it slowly starts arching in. And by the time you get to higher than 10 Fachim, until you get to a little bit, before you reach 10 Fachim, it's no longer 4 Fachim wide. So there's Machlekes Rameya and the Chachamim. If what we do is, we look at it, can you sort of look at the doorway as if you hollow out the space that actually is there? So let's say as it gets higher, it gets to 7 Fachim, it then goes down to 3 Fachim wide. And then from 7 Fachim to 10 Fachim, it's only 3 Fachim wide. But in theory, you could have hollowed it out the archway and you could have made it totally squared, a rectangle, and indeed it would have been 10 by 4. Remeyer says, we look at it as if you've done that. And therefore, you're liable to put a mezuzah on, even though it's not actually 10 by 4 in actuality, but it's 10 by 4 in the theoretical world where you actually were chikkin, you hollowed out the, from, what, from what was on the sides. So the Chavim say, no, that's not true. We, we don't allow you to do that. So the question is, let's try to establish Let's take that machlekes and say that that machlekes is also relevant to our conversation right here. Our conversation is when you throw something, it's over 10 fachim high off the ground, but it lands in a hollow that's less than 4 fachim wide. Now, we keep on saying, if something is 10 fachim off of the ground, 10 fachim below the ground, but it's not 4 fachim wide, it's not going to get its status as its own unique domain. It won't become a rishus hayachid, private domain. What will it be? It'll be a makkapitur. So let's say you throw something higher than 10 fachim off the ground in the public domain onto a wall, and it lands in a hollow on the wall. But guess what? That hollow is less than 4 fachim wide. Is that going to be a private domain or not? Well, according to your mayor who says, we look at it as if you hollowed out the area around it, then indeed it's considered to be a private domain. Because we look at it as if it, as if it is 10 fachim off the ground and 4 fachim wide. But according to the chamim, who say that we don't look at things as if they've been hollowed out, then why should you say that this is considered as if it's in the private domain? Indeed, it's a makam and you should be exempt. Um, everybody got that? Wayne, yeah? Okay. So, Amr of Yudam Rav. Okay, so sorry, I went, I skipped a little bit. Lira Mayor, according to Mayor, says that you can hollow out to complete Mechayev. You're going to be liable. Lira Banadami, in Chaykin Hashim, according to Chamim, say that you do not hollow out to complete. Lira Mechayev, you're not going to be liable. Okay, we went to the case as well. Zarak Lamayla Miyasara, he threw something higher than Tenfacham, Mahocha, and Nacha, Bechor Kalshu. And it went and it landed in a small hollow. Remeir Machayev Achamim Paisim. Remeir says you're liable. Achamim say you are exempt. Amr of Yehuda Merav. Okay, so that we just brought a brayso that actually says this lemaisa that there is a machlekes of Yehuda and Remeir about Achamim and Remeir about exactly this question. Amr of Yehuda Merav. Now Yehuda Merav says a famous, another famous halacha. Tal hamaslaket asar mitoch arba mizarek ben nachal gabav chayiv. 
So the Talamas Blockade is a hill that is, has a slope on it. And this is something that is very much used today when it comes to using Erevin. This is one of the things that we rely on all the time. So it, the way it works is like this. If you have walls around an area, then that area is considered to be a private domain. When you're trying to define walls, there's two different ways to have a wall. Either the wall goes up or the wall goes down. So if your area is high up on a plateau that's surrounded on all sides by 10 Tfachim high walls, then that's also a private domain, right? But if, or if the area is on level ground and the walls are going up, that's also private domain. Now, let's say those walls are not directly straight. Do they have to be a right angle wall? Mora says, no, they don't have to be a right angle wall. Even a telemus locket is sufficient. Telemus locket means that the wall, within a four amas distance, the wall is going to go travel height 10 amas total. And the Gemara in Erevin gets into, well, let's say it, it, it goes five amas in one amas. Let's say it goes five tzachim high in the first amma, right? Then it plateaus. Then it goes back up five tzvachim in the next amma. How does that work, right? But the essential idea is that if, as long as you can establish that over a four amas area, it's going up ten tzvachim this way, right? So at the height from at the beginning of the four amas, you're you're exactly at sea level. At the end of the four amas, you're ten tzvachim above sea level. That's already a steep enough hill to be called a wall. Okay. So once that's steep enough hill to be called a wall, that's going to change the status of the whichever place we're dealing with, it's going to change the status as being walled in. Now, and it's going to be Rosh also. So if you have a tal and a tal which it gathers up, which literally means, yeah, to harvest, a tenth fachim in a four amas space, and you throw in a lance on top of that hill, you're going to be liable. We learned the advice like this as well. You have a mavoy, right? So a mavoy was the, we discussed in the past, how in, in those days they would have a Rishus Rabbim, they'd have a public domain. Then they would have the Mavoy, which is the alleyway. And then off of the Mavoy, the alleyway, they would have these Chatzeres, right? They would have these different courtyards. And off of the courtyards, they would have houses. Now, the Mavoy could even be a regular Rishus Rabbim, right? Now, if you have a Mavoy that has um, uh, walls on it, if it has three walls, then you it's technically on a Torah level, it's not a Rishus Rabbim, it's Rishus Yachid. But on a rabbinic level, a mavi that has three walls, you're still going to need some sort of sign on the fourth wall, right? So the sign will either be a a, um, a lechi or a kaira. A lechi is a, a, a vertical, like rod, standing at the end of the fourth side. And a kaira is when you have a beam going horizontally on top of that fourth side. There's no wall, but you have a beam. Now, let's say you have a mavi that the interior of the mavi is level. But at the outside of the mavi is on a hill, is on a slant down to the public domain. or the mavoy is level to the public domain, but on the inside of the mavoy, as soon as you get, you walk into the courtyard, into the alleyway, and all of a sudden, it slopes down immediately. So in either, this mavoy does not need, on its fourth side, does not need any sort of hacker, doesn't need any sort of sign to indicate that this is not the public domain. Because since it has this, these walls are these types of walls of a talamus lacate wall, it's not as much of an issue. Right? We're not talking about a, a movie that all four sides has a talamus locket, has a hill that with a slope of 10 tfachim and 4 amas. Because if all four sides had it, it wouldn't be an issue anyways. What we're talking about is only three sides had the talamus locket. The fourth side was indeed on the same level as the public domain. On a Torah level, since three sides have a wall, it's already enough. On a rabbinic level, we said normally you're going to be liable. So you're going to be, not liable, but you're going to be obligated to put up some sort of hacker, some sort of reminder. No, yeah, basically a reminder to show that this is not a regular public domain. 
because amavoy, since it is used in the, by the by the rabbin, by the by the people in a in a uh, in a fashion, so therefore people might get confused and think that if you can carry here, you can carry in the public domain. So the rabbi said you need to have some sort of sign to indicate that this is not the public domain. So that's only true though by a regular amavoy with three walls, but amavoy the three walls consisting of the talamaslake is not necessary. Um, says that if you have a talamus lakit, this this idea of a hill that that gathered up ten in ten fachim height in four in four amas uh, width, and you throw in a lance on top of it, you're going to be liable. Right? Wayne, are they are they talking about doing an eruv in, in San Mateo? They're kind of talking about it, right? One day. You're muted. We've been talking about it for a few years now. And um, once they build the shul, maybe. Right. Shlomo, Shlomo, do you guys use a talamus lacket at all? Do what? I'm asking. Yeah, we, we, use, we, we use them in a bunch of places. We're, um, well, we use them mostly as a secondary measure, if just in case the telephone poles are down or whatever. But there are some places where we do use it, yeah. And how do you measure the slope? So there's, uh, we, we brought out our, our, well, there's a bunch of mathematicians in my shawl, so there was a lot of <laughs> That's excitement true. doing that. But we, the, the, the guy who builds Arabin, one of the guys from the SAG, Shotkin, was here with us, and we just measured, we kind of used a... The pointer? Yeah, there's a, he has a special machine for it, like a, like a, my brain's not working, like a laser, you know, it's finder. like... No, 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 no. It's um, it's for drilling and stuff. It helps you measure angles. I forget what it's called. Ah, okay. So he can he, he put it against the hill to look at the. Yeah, I, I one time when when San Jose got the air of up, we looked at it. We walked through the whole air of, and there's a lot of talamus lacking. I was surprised how many they were using. Okay, fine. New Mishnah. Zarek latech dalat amas. If you threw something within four amas, in other words, your intention is to throw it for less than four amas away from you, which is not going to be liable on a Torah level. Then it's gagal chutz amas, and you ended up it rolled after you threw it. It rolled. Then four amas. Pata, you're exempt because your intention was not to throw more than four amas. And as we've been saying, continuously, the malachas machshabas is going to be lacking, right? Your your intention to do a malacha is not here. Let's say you intended to throw something more than four amas away and it ended up rolling into four amas oh, closer to you, right? So you threw it and it started bouncing back towards you, right? You know, if you throw a football the right way, you could get it to bounce back towards you. A basketball the right way also can bounce back towards you. So so in those cases, since you intended to throw more than four amas, you're going to be liable. The Gemara is going to discuss, where's the Hanacha? Vahalei Nach. Gemara says, what do you mean? It wasn't Nach. It was, the, the Hanacha did not occur past four amas, right? It, you threw it, but it ended up rolling back towards you. So if it, roll, if it rolls back towards you, then there's not going to be a Hanacha at all. So, um, one second. Oh, sorry. So, so Rashi explains, actually, I'm sorry. I, 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 not that it rolls. And normally in the Skagel, it does mean to roll. But Rashi says it doesn't mean that it actually rolled over here. Because if it actually rolled, then it would have been a Hanacha. The idea over here is, is that the wind blew it. So you threw it, intending to throw it more than, more than four Amas. But the wind, a very strong gust of wind comes right then and blows it that it only lands three Amas away from you. Or vice versa, where you throw it, then you throw it two Amas away from you, not going to be liable on a Torah level. And then the wind blows it four Amas away from you. So Rashi says, so the Gemara says, what do you mean? Halaynach. Fact of the matter is, it did not end up going for Amos and landing. says, it actually did kind of land on something small, right? So it, what does this mean? 
So Amar Tzatz, Achgach Niskalgal. So basically, it kind of landed, and then the wind, the wind picked it up and blew it back towards you. Tanya um, Namiyach, who learns in a place like this as well, Zarek Chutzel Dalar Amos, you throw something more than four Amos away from you, and the wind blows it, and it blows it, and it makes it enter closer to you. And then even if the wind then comes and then pulls it back out, again, you're still going to be exempt. If the wind takes it a little bit, even if it ends up then um, blowing it back towards you, you're going to be liable. The, the rabbi says like this, if even if it's within three tfacham of the ground, according to the chalim, you're still going to need actual hanacha agavi mashu. You're still going to need it to actually land on the ground. This is really getting into an earlier machlekes, right? The machlekes are bekiva nachachamim. When something is traveling through the air and it's less than ten tfacham off the ground, the bekiva says we consider it as if it's actually on the ground already. The concept of kluta kmisha hancha, that since it's in the ear, less than ten tfacham, we consider it as if it's already on the ground. The chalim said we don't say kluta kmisha hancha. The only time we say kluta kmisha hancha is if something is traveling through a house. Through an enclosed area, then we consider it as if it's actually on the ground. So Rabbi says, according to the Chachamim, who say we don't say Kutuk Mishahuncha, even within three Tfacham of the ground, it's still not considered on the ground until it actually hits the ground. Marema was sitting and he said over this statement of Rava. So Ravina then comes to tell Marema, is this not our Mishnah that says that until it actually lands, it's not going to be considered as if it landed? says it actually has to land on, on, a, on a place. It's not enough for it to be almost about to land until it actually lands. It's not considered like it's a hanacha. can't ask me a question from our Mishnah. In our Mishnah's case, their wind is still exerting a force on this object. So even when it landed for, even if it was about to land in an area, the wind was going to still push it back towards me. So you can't say it's considered like a landed, even though it's within three tachim of the ground, because the wind is still exerting a force on it. But um, but over here, maybe what you would think is, in Rava's case, there's a bigger chiddush. In Rava's case, what he's saying is like this. According to the Chachamim, you take an object, and there's no, no wind at all, and you're throwing that object. And when it lands on the ground, it's going to land and stop right there, right? It's uh, you know, something that's not going to bounce at all. And when you throw it, and it gets within three tfachim of the ground, it's still not considered as if it's actually on the ground, even though it's within three tfachim. And you might think, okay, even if you don't say kludik mishahuncha, Maybe over here, what you would say is, not but maybe what you would say is, uh, you know, like, right? The love it idea that something within three tfachim, we look at it as if it's, there's, there's no gap there at all. Therefore, Rabbi had to come say that even so, it's still not considered like it's attached to the ground until it actually hits the ground. If you throw something in the yam itself, or amas, you're exempt. Let's say you have a rakak mayim, some sort of ditch of water, right? And the public domain, they, it goes right through it. They walk through it. If you throw within it four amas, you're going to be liable because since the public domain uses it as part of the thoroughfare, it's going to be Rishasarabim. What's the definition of Rakakmayim? Just like a ditch. It has to be less than 10 Fachim deep. If it's 10 Fachim deep, it's going to turn into a private domain or a Makam Petur or an exempt domain if it's very narrow. But if it's, um, if it's less than 10 Fachim, it's going to be public domain. Mishnah tells us very puzzling. Basically, he says it's almost like a typo, or it seems to be, right? That it basically says the same statement in a little bit of a different way, but basically says the same statement again. You have a Rakak Mayim, public domain goes through it. If you throw in it for Amis, you're going to be liable. The Gemara is going to have a couple of different answers to why exactly the Mishnah said this statement seemingly twice. The Rabbanon said, 
the fact that it says that the public domain goes through it in two different ways, that's trying to teach you that even if they go through it sometimes and don't go through it, if they use it all the time, that's one thing. But the fact that it says it twice, that the public domain goes through it, it's trying to teach you that even if they don't use it in a typical way, they only use it like they only use it in, in, a, in a forced circumstance, that's also considered to be hiloch. That's also considered to be public domain is getting use out of it. And it's considered to be that the rakak is considered regular public domain. Right? I would have thought that the usage, usage that's when you, in a way that's not, not typical, in a way that's only because you're forced, that's not considered to be usage. Why do I need to say twice that there's a case of a rakak, that there's a case of a, of a, you know, a ditch going through the public domain? Why do I need to say that twice? One of them is teaching you in the, in the uh, summer months, or one of them is teaching you in the rainy months, right? the winter months. And I need to say both these cases. Why do I need to teach you that Rakak Mayim, whether it's the summer months, whether it's the winter months, you're going to be liable if you carry through it, right? Why, why can we just tell you one or the other, right? Presumably, one of these is a greater chedesh than the other. The Gemara is going to describe what the difference is in terms of its usage rate when it's the winter months and when it's the summer months. And why I might think that in the winter months, it's more likely to be liable that's considered part of the public domain, whereas in the summer months, it's less likely. And then the Gemara is going to flip it around and say, maybe in the winter months, it's less likely, and the summer months, it's more likely. So how do we find reasons to, to think that either season is more likely to be used? To be used? So the Gemara says like this, if we had only said one case that it's used, it's that one case of a rakak mayim that's being used in the public domain, I would have said maybe that's only true in the summer months because people are hot and they want to go in there to cool themselves off. But in the, in the rainy months, maybe people don't use it at all and therefore it's not going to be considered something that is a part of the public domain. But if we would have said only one time, I might have thought, oh, you're talking about only in the winter months. Even the mitnafi, since anyways, you're all dirty, right? In the winter months, they did not have paved roads in those days. So in the winter months, you anyways would get, would get very dirty. So if you're very dirty anyways, you wouldn't mind going into the muddy, the muddy ditch. But during the, in the summer months where you're going to be nice and dry, you're not going to want to walk in there. So therefore, we need to say rakak twice to tell you once to make sure that you realize that both in the summer months and in the winter months you're going to be liable for carrying in there. It's going to be considered a, a, uh, an adjunct of the public domain. Abayah says, I might have thought like this. If we went to said two different cases of a kak, I would have said that you're only liable for carrying in the kak if it's not four amas total. If it's four amas total, then maybe people would just walk around it. But if it's not four amas, people don't walk around it. Ravashi Yamar is still exactly. We needed two different cases to teach you two different halachas. Why? I might have thought to say that the only reason why a rakak mayim is going to be an issue is because a rakak mayim is less than four tfachim, is, um, is more than four tfachim wide. But if a rakak mayim is less than four tfachim wide, maybe people just step right over it. So therefore, Ravashi says that's why we need to say two different cases of rakak mayim, that whether it's four tfachim wide, whether it's not even four tfachim wide, it's still going to be considered an adjunct of the public domain. Ravashi's opinion is like this. If you throw something in a land on a um, on an aguda, a, a, like a, one of the beams of the of the gamla, of the bridge, right? So the mechaib are going to be liable. Why? Because the rabbin baikin bike. The the uh, the people use this for uh, as they're going. Uh, 
Right, so basically Ravashi's opinion is that even though many people will step over that specific beam, it's not like every single beam on the bridge is necessary to be used for walking on it. But even so, since many people do use it, it's enough to be liable. So Ravashi would say over here too, you have this water thing that some people will step right over the ditch because it's only four, less than four fucking wide. People will step right over it. But many people will end up stepping into it. And that itself is already enough to hold you liable for stepping into it. New Mishnah. If you throw from the sea into the dry land, from the dry land into the sea, from the sea into a boat, from a boat into the sea, one boat to another, all these cases are going to be exempt. You have two boats that are tied up next to each other, you're allowed to carry from one to the other. If they're not tied up, even if they are mukafes, even if they have walls, you're not allowed to carry from one to the other. Tomorrow's going to discuss why not. It's mine. Let's come and see what's going on over here. Svina, Ravuna Amar, Metsian, Hemen, Ziz, Kolshu, Umale. Question over here is like this You have a boat and you want to take water up from the river for the purpose of the boat. How do you do so on Shabbos, right? Because the river is either a Carmelis or maybe it's a Rosh Hashanah, right? Or maybe it's, a, maybe, yeah, it's, it's either a Carmelis, basically, right? And your boat is what? Your boat is Rosh Hashanah. You're not allowed to take from the Carmelis to Rosh Hashanah. So how do you take water up on Shabbos from the river to the boat? So Ravuna's opinion is, you put out a aziz, which is like a protrusion, you put out a protrusion, and then you lift off of that protrusion, that's where you send down your, uh, your bucket to pick up the water from the river. You actually make an area four by four tzachem, and then you fill it up specifically through that area, through that chute. Ravuna's opinion that you, you make this, uh, this protrusion and then you pick up water from there. It says that when you're trying to figure out the definition of a caramelist, what you work with is from the bottom of the ground. And the bottom of the ground, a caramelist's height is only 10 fachim total, right? So here's what's going to happen. If you go from the bottom of the river till the top of the river, guess what? It's going to be more than 10 fachim, right? So at the bottom of the river till the top of the river, right? If you go down to the bottom, where the water, where the water, uh, you know, with the, the riverbed is more than 10 fachim away from the top where you're actually taking the water from. Now, a Carmelis' height is only 10 fachim high. So if you take water from an area that's more than 10 fachim off of the river ground, the riverbed, then that water is actually not in a Carmelis state. That water is in a Rishasayachet state. And the boat is also Rishasayachet. So according to Rav Huna, all you need to do is just make this protrusion and then go ahead and then go collect water because you're taking Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. What's the Machlaikis? So what do they, they disagree with him? So they hold, Ubedinu, this is nami And technically you don't even need a protrusion at all to, to be able to take the water. The only reason you needed a, a protrusion is so that there should be a hekera. There should be a, something different to make it clear that the reason why you're taking over here is because it's not a typical caramelist. It's in a case of, um, it's in a case of where it's really makamator already. They say you have to make a, a four by four space and like with, um, with planks basically, and then take it up from that chute. Why is that necessary? You measure the height of the caramelist actually doesn't start. You don't call it a caramelist until you get to the top of the water height. So if you go to the top of the water height, so then where are you taking the water from? Maya ara samichta. So the water is considered like the ground now. If the water is considered the ground, if you're taking water from, from the top of the river, then you're taking water from a caramelist to the private domain. You're not allowed to do that on Shabbos. 
If you don't make a wall of four tvachim, then you're going to be taking from a karma sushasiyachim. So what do you do, basically? On the side of the boat, you make a, a little chute, and that chute is four tvachim by four tvachim. Now, when you do that, what you're now doing, you're, you're changing the status of anything which is directly under that chute to be in Right? The same way if you make walls, you change the status of the area around it, that's surrounded by that wall. So when you take your water up from that chute, it's coming straight up through that chute, which is really Rishasiyachim. That's okay. Um, says you can stick out a little protrusion and then carry up the water from the from that protrusion. Sometimes there'll be less than ten tfachim deep. The the water of the river will be less than ten tfachim deep. Now, if the water of the river is less than ten tfachim deep, so then the top of the river is still in the status of Carmelis. Right? Remember, Carmelis is a place that on a rabbinic level is forbidden to take from a Carmelis to the private domain or to the public domain. So if the water is less than 10 Fachim deep, so when you lower your, your bucket in the river to take from the water on top of that river, that river, it, the water on top of that river is still in the Carmelis status. How are you permitted to do so? Everybody knows that, that a boat does not go in, in water that is less than 10 Fachim deep. Right? Water that's less than 40 inches deep what exactly, how are you going to put a boat into that water, right? The, the boat has to have something, the, the prow, not the prow, but the, the bottom of the boat is underneath the water, right? If the water is less than 10 deep, you can't have it. You know, even with a, a flat-bottomed uh, river boat, they still don't go less than, less than 40 inches of, of, uh, of water. Baha'i um, Marasha is late. So the Marasha says what you have the Marasha. The Marasha is basically like the, the, like the figurehead, at the, not the figurehead, but like the, the snout of the boat, right? So the snout of the boat, that can be, you know, sticking out over the top of the boat and end up going in an area that's less than 10 fachim deep. So if you take from the snout, you're going to end up being less than 10 fachim, the water's going to be less than 10 fachim deep, and you're going to be taking from a karma kama. The geshushi are the, the people with the, like a depth sounder, basically. They would stick these, when they were going in a very, very um, shallow river, what they would do is they would stick these big, um, like Earl's uh, quarter staff. They would stick the quarter staff into the water ahead of them to make sure that the water was not too shallow. So even the, pro, the, the, the prow of the boat is not going to be an area that's less than 10 fachim deep. So, um, you need to have a fourth fachim area and only take up the water through that chute. Otherwise, you're going to be taking from the Carmelist to the private domain. Once you make this fourth fachim space, then you're going to be creating that the area where you're taking your water from is actually already private domain. And then you can take up the water from there. What do you do with your the water that you're planning on throwing out the the, the like the laundry water and the your chamber pots? How do you throw it out into the river? What are you going to do? How do you do that on Shabbos? You can't throw it out in using that same chute. You're not going to want to throw it out into a place and then take from that same place for your drinking water. That you're not going to want to do. So what do you do about that? Maybe you're going to throw it down in that actual place. That's gross. You throw it down. On the on the actual sides of the of the boat, you throw it onto the sides and you let it slowly roll down into the water. The Gemara says, "What well, has that solved the issue?" That you're you're causing this to happen through your initial action of pouring it down in a place where the gravity is going to bring it down to the ground. Essentially, that's you causing it to happen. And kaiyach is also a problem. Causing something to happen is a problem. 
the, the um, causing something to happen, but not directly. And a caramelist, that there is no gzera on. So even koichai, they were never, in caramelist is only a rabbinic din. And the, the rabbis never made this din for koichai. The idea of saying that a caramelist is a problem on a rabbinic level to carry from the caramelist to the private domain, that's only true about actual carrying, but not using koichai. Let's go a tiny bit further. We not tamra the tanya, amena tamra, how do we know this? Tanya, we learned in the you don't take from a boat into the sea, and you don't take from the sea into a boat. Yehuda says if it is deep, ten fachim deep, and it's not higher than ten fachim off of the ground, then Then you can take from the, there into the sea, and from but not from the sea into it. So what happens is like this. The, the, the boat is ten fachim deep total, right? But the um, but it's not ten fachim high, right? So in other words, the boat from the top to the bottom of the boat is more than ten fachim. But from the top of the boat to the bottom to the where the, the water is is less than ten fachim. Okay. So Yehuda says like this: you can take from the boat to the river, but you can't take from the river to the boat. Why not? What's the difference? Why can't you take from the water into the boat? Because you'd be carrying from the Carmelis into the private domain. Then, if that's so, then even carrying from it into the sea should also be taken from the from a private domain into the Carmelis. Must be that you threw it down onto the Chuda, onto like the side of the boat, and then let it roll down. See from here that they do not, they're not geyser, they don't make a, a, a decree on the on using your force, right? The, the force that ends up going together with the, the gravity, they don't make a decree on that when it comes to taking the karmas for shasiyachad. They only make a decree, regular carrying or shasiyachad, not the type of carrying that only comes about through kaychay, through something, an action that you started, and then using a natural process got finished through gravity.